Report, everybody. You're listening to 101.9 FM CITR Radio, broadcasting live from Unceded Territory. I'm your host, Margarita. And I'm Sarah. Hi. Hi, everyone. We're going to start off with a pre-recorded interview that Lua did of The Most Massive Woman Wins. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Joanna Rinelli and Hilary Fillier, who are part of the production The Most Massive Women Wins by Madeline, Madeline George, which is going to be happening in the Vancouver Fringe Festival this year, more specifically starting tomorrow. Um, it's a four-person cast and it's a 45-minute production, so it's one of those short ones that you can definitely catch. And I'm here with them to talk a little bit more about what is the show about? Let's start with that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, the most massive woman wins is yeah four person cast. Um, it centers around four women of various shapes and sizes sitting in the waiting room of a liposuction clinic, and they explore their perceptions of body image. Um, they, it, it stems from childhood memories to frustrations with the opposite sex, and um, these experiences both haunt and empower these women. That's pretty cool. Well. Where did the interest to perform this show specifically come from? Well, actually, um, my co-producer, Cecilia, and I were looking for an all-woman cast show. And she had actually um, came up to me with the show, I guess, probably at least six months ago. Had had said, you know what, maybe we should look at this show. And when we read it, um, we were really moved. And not only is, is, is it a show with four women that is completely equal, it really dives into the humor around really challenging um, subjects, as well as bringing light to things that we often don't talk about. And this ideal image that we're all, well, not all of us, but some of us try to attain and how hard that is, and Madeline George, um, brings in childhood themes to it and um, the opposite sex and so it's a lot there's a lot packed into 45 minutes and as a performer 
it's amazing to sink your teeth into work that Madeline George does. That's so, so amazing. Um, I'm really happy and part of the reason I really wanted to interview you guys and talk about the show is because I am a big believer in body positivity and I'm so interested on why deciding on doing the show now and what message about body positivity should audiences take away from the show? Well, for me as an actor in the show, um, I play Carly in the show. I really struggled all my life with body image issues um, and eating disorders while I'm in recovery right now. And I really saw this show as kind of part of my pathway to self-love and self-acceptance. And that ties in with body positivity because as a larger woman, I feel that I'm bombarded with images of hate yourself, hate yourself, change yourself, fat is ugly, blah, blah, blah. It's not true. <laughs> and I know it's not true. Um, and yeah, I whenever I have the opportunity to do something, you know, body positive and kind of I love showing my body, quite honestly. I've come to that place where I'm starting to love and accept myself. Um, and anytime I have the opportunity to show my body on stage and make people, you know, confront what they do not want to see or may not want to see and show them that it is, in fact, beautiful and valid, that is the thing that I want to do. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like, I'm just like, yes, please talk more. <laughs> I'm very fascinated. I mean, we grow up as women, we grow up in, an, in a world that profits and teaches us from a very young age to hate ourselves. Yeah. And to finally grow up and realize I don't actually have to hate myself. I don't actually have to, like, look like these women is just, like, a really complete realization. And that's part of the reason I'm so excited about the show is that um, the most massive woman wins the title as well. Yeah. Like, it caught me my attention. It's like, what is she going to win? And what is the competition? So maybe. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's actually a part of what we want the audience to be left with. That question of what, what are you winning? What is this? And there's a lot of themes and a lot of questions that we pose in this. But I remember when we were going through the auditioning process and there was one actor who said, I had to audition for it because I, I never win anything. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, this is an opportunity for me in my body, um, who's, she's a body positive performer as well, to say, um, yes, yes, I get to win something. <laughs> it's like, a, a, like a, a beauty competition or something, you know? Like it was amazing. And, and you know, we are so lucky because we've had this support even from some of the auditions that we had posted, we've had um, this wonderful girl named Dominique who's come forward um, and she has an eating disorder and she has actually given herself as a resource for people who have bulimia um, to speak with her. So it's really great. She's actually written a big story about what she's gone through and. Because we, we think actually the show will spark some stuff into people because there's eating disorders in the show and there's um, we tackle um, not just the physical aspects but the mental stuff too. And it's really nice that we have the support from people that are like, I'm here. If anybody, this sparks something and people want to talk about it, I'm here to support that. That's awesome. And mm -hmm. it's really important too because I think when you're recovering from an eating disorder, you get to the point where like the most empowering thing that you can do for yourself and for people around you is sh start to share your story 
and I think doing it in creative ways um, and, you know, just expressing your craft and your artistry really makes it a lot easier to tell your story and for people to come and witness it you know, in a nice dark space with a lot of theatrical stuff going on. I think it makes it easier for um, people who may never have struggled with, um, you know, body image issues or eating disorders to kind of come into your world, step in for, you know, 45 minute short little time span, and then, you know, go out again with some questions in their mind. Yeah. And I was curious, so this is a four woman show, correct? Can you tell me a little bit more about the characters and how their personalities interact? Absolutely. So I'll start with mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sabine. Sabine is uh, a feminist, and she struggles with the two sides of herself, um, a side that just wants to be admired, um, wants to be chosen, wants to be the one that will be lovable and liked, but she also wants to fight for what's right. And so there's this, these two sides of her constantly pulling at herself of, I must attain to this thing, I must be this thing and conform to something. But what about my brain? And what about my feminist values? And what about the things I stand for? And can I be both? And so I think that sort of wraps up what Sabine's sort of struggle in the show is, these two sides sort of pulling at her. Um, I'll speak to Rennie's character. Um, there's a character named Rennie who is bulimic in the show. And, um, and again, it's, I think all the characters sort of have this through line of trying to attain to something, whether it is something that was put on them from a parent. In, in Rennie's case, her family has put a lot on her to sort of fit into this ideal. and. You know, sometimes as kids we go through different stages of our lives where maybe we put on a little bit of weight or we go through growth spurts or we do this. And so she's always trying to mold into this image of what they think is right. And what, and that's put a lot of stress on that, on her. And so what she tries to fight within herself um, and how far she goes and how much she hurts herself. Um, and, and I'll let you maybe talk to the yeah, other sure. two. Um, the character that I play is Carly. And um, she actually reminded me a lot of a lot of the women that I grew up around. Um, I'm from rural Newfoundland. Um, and yeah, she just reminded me of a really, really strong, independent woman. But on the inside, she has a lot of things that are breaking her spirit and are breaking her heart. Um, you know, struggling with the need to be accepted by, you know, the men in her life, specifically her, her boyfriend right now, um, and not really getting the nicest feedback from him. Um, struggles of, you know, being a young mother, um, having a baby really young, and also of, um, I don't want to give too much away, <laughs> but also of um, dealing with a crisis for her, for her daughter. Um, so yeah, there's really that mother-daughter relationship that she she struggles with and she's working through. Um, another one of the characters, uh, the fourth, is uh, Seal. And I really like Seal. Um, she struggles with self-harm. Um, she's kind of a, a rural country girl, um, married young. Um, and there's, for me, as I, as I see the, the actress playing 
seal. I see a, a beautiful, tragic gracefulness in her character. And again, I don't want to give too much away, but mm-hmm. a tragic beauty gracefulness. So three, so four very, very different characters mm-hmm. that are coming together in a liposuction office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and all of them, I'm guessing, have different body types as well, and yeah, yes. coming together. Yes, and the interesting thing is, Madeline George never wrote this um, with any expectation of what anybody looked like, and um, she just said, "It, it not, body it doesn't matter what the the actors look like; it's just the material that needs to be served, really." And, um, but just like all of us women, we are very different (laughs) and all of us are very different. We're very different. We have very different personalities as people too. (laughs) And we have, um, I mean, three of us in the show are UBC BFA grads. And so, you know, theater grads. And so we come together with, with some, our backgrounds are a little similar in our training, but all of us are so different, which is awesome. It's so great. Um, to work like this and um, I just think that a show like this it does I think it resonates with so many people because whether or not you've ever struggled with body image there's somebody in your life that has whether it's your your partner or whether or not it's your child or your best friend or your mother or your father and that and that feeling of it just wanting to be accepted and Wanting to be enough. When is it enough? That's. Oh, I want to cry. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I'll cry with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's really interesting. I like. I'm really fascinated by the entire idea of the show. But at the end of the day, this is a very much a lighthearted show, or I hope <laughs> it's a roller coaster yeah. for sure. And Madeline George has done a great job at um, sort of building a. a di- themes in here that take you on a roller coaster. It really is a roller coaster, yeah. Yeah, emotions. So one minute you might laugh and the next minute you might not. (laughs) I think think it's really, it's reminiscent of like daily life and real world Mm -hmm. stuff because sometimes we have really tragic things happen in our life and then it's like all we can do is laugh because there's nothing else to be done in that situation. We just need a little bit of like a lighthearted something, right? So I think it's very true to life. Well, I hope the show resonates with a lot of people. Um, At the end of the day, these are stories that a lot of women face, um, but they're not necessarily told. A lot of times they're not told. Um, Very rarely we'll actually learn that these people that are really close to you have gone through all of that. And I think it's really fascinating that it's four women meeting apparently for uh, the same reason, but at the same time for so many different reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm very excited. Thank you. I hope everyone gets a chance to watch The Most Massive Women Wins this year at Vancouver Fringe Festival. Thank you so much for taking your time and coming. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. And we hope to see you at the show. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be there. And I'm going to hand it back to Margarita, who is hosting the show, or Sarah. I don't know who is hosting the show today. Um, It's my first time not there, but... Have fun, guys. Bye. Hello. Thanks for that, Lua. Yeah, we're back. We're back. (laughs)
It was really interesting what they were talking about. That was really interesting. Yeah. The Body fi- positivity. Yeah. It's it's a really important issue right now. Like, when I mean right now, I mean like 2019. A lot of body positivity stuff going on, which is amazing. As a person who is not, you know, confident in her body, uh, it's refreshing to see stuff like this. I'm not confident either. Yeah. It struck me what she said and really struck a chord with me when Louis said that we're taught to hate ourselves. Yeah, and that we is... We, we don't have to hate ourselves. I still haven't understood that, I feel. Yeah, yeah, but that's so true. I mean, I feel like everybody hates themselves in one way. And I might think, for example, that your nose is really pretty, but you actually hate it. And you hate it because you were thought that a nose that looks a specific way is pretty and you think that it's impossible to like your nose so it's you know <laughs> I yeah, know. I feel <laughs> yeah that's a good example yeah i mean i don't know how you feel about your nose but that was the first thing i saw when i was looking at your face and <laughs> usually i have a lot of friends who really don't like their noses and don't want to pay for the nose job to get it done so they're like hey sarah punch me in the face so that i can get it what that's yeah. ridiculous Yeah, I have never done it yet. We'll see if it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah, no, I won't. I, I'll never hurt my friends. No, especially for something to, you know, like a like a jo- nose job. No, because we need to embrace our bodies. I mean, I feel like, okay. It's a journey. Yeah, it is a journey. And I'm really jealous of Lua because of that. Because honestly... Um, she is so confident in her body and herself. And I'm just like, how does she do it? I, I want to be like woman. that. Yeah, she is. Shout out to you, Lua. <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 really impressive. I know. It's this is a sensitive issue for me and okay. for most people. Yeah, for I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, do you know Lizzo? She's a singer. She's an artist. Yeah, she. Um, she's this um overweight black woman who makes music and the way i say it like that is because it will usually it will, both of those is okay i don't know how to explain this without sounding um bad you know but i don't want to sound bad okay so being overweight usually on the media is not seen because They want people that look fit, like, for example, Victoria's Secret models, like that type of people. And then we all know that black people have a hard time in the society, have always had. So she has a lot of success right now. She makes music. Her music is amazing, but her lyrics also. She's body positive. She tries to enforce this on people, not like enforce, like, you know, you have to be body positive, but it encourages people to be body positive which is amazing so if you do not know her just <laughs> go check her out but uh, you probably have heard of her <laughs> well okay do you have anything to add or should we pass to spins what about spins when did you see it on friday um yeah it was on friday i saw it with my mom my mom is in town that was amazing i got to share this experience with her and the way i say experience is because it was an experience okay so spins i the best way for me to explain it is to read it from the um from its facebook event it is 
a wildly dizzying whirl of juggling, giggling, giggling magic and movement, puppetry, PJ circus, and socks totally tangled together. Which is <laughs> what it is, <laughs> literally. So it's a one-man show. Um, his name is Genoa. So That's a peculiar name. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Genoa... Um, came on the stage with a unicycle. He used it for a lot of the show. He was on the unicycle, like, cycling always, which was pretty impressive. It was, like, one of his limbs because I don't know how he did it. He jumped on it. He picked stuff up from the floor while he was on a unicycle. I honestly have no idea how someone can be so good at unicycling because I can't even... Bike that good, yeah, just like a normal bicycle is hard for me, <laughs> and so yeah, um, that was that was really nice, and um, okay, some stuff I want to say. The so when you get the, what is this called? Like uh, the, voucher. Yeah, the, I don't know. Anyway, so basically they have some quotes from, you know, other people that saw it and. One of the quotes is the most awkwardly impressive thing you'll see all year. And I totally agree to that. It was awkward, but it was also impressive, as I've said multiple times. And the reason I say it was awkward, because it was not like a normal show you would see. Um, and especially in the place I saw the theater, I went to the... I went to the preview, so the preview was at the Havana Theater. Mm -hmm. And it's a really small theater. I think it... Um, has like 45 to 50 people like the capacity mm -hmm. and there weren't even that many of us so it was really intimate and he does <laughs> Genoa does a lot of has uh, interacts with the audience a lot not just the first row also the second row and the third row he interacts with everybody um, he makes jokes and he makes puns, a lot of puns. So I wrote down my favorite one. It's, it's, I've never picked my nose. I was born with it. Hmm. Stuff like that. If you like puns, you'll like the show. I mean, it's not a comedy show, but you know. It's amusing. Yeah, he throws in some jokes and puns. <laughs> and um, there's not a lot of talking, by the way. I said, you know, he makes jokes, but he talks like 30% of the show. And that 30% is a lot of jokes and puns. And then, um, so let's get back to the awkward point. There was this one act where he took out a uh, toothbrush from his suitcase. And he started brushing his teeth with it. But like, you know, not with a uh, toothpaste and stuff, just a toothbrush. Yeah. And then he went on to brush his face his eyes, his, and oh then, yeah, and then he, like, started to brush his chest and his arms, and then there were some really awkward moments when he was, like, you know, brushing his nipples, <laughs> and then um, he, he had a teddy bear, he brushed also his teddy bear, um, I don't know what that was for. Why did he do that? I have no idea, I really want to know, because... It was, I don't even have words to say how I felt while I was watching that bit. Um, but you know, if you enjoy awkward stuff, you will enjoy that act. He did multiple acts. So he had stuff with 
puppets and with um, pins. He was juggling pins or he was um, juggling balls or, you know, he was on he was cycling on a unicycle. But there was this one specific act. It was his last act. So this the show was um, one hour long and I think it was the last 10 minutes or so, five, 10 minutes, his last act, I was so pleased with it. It was honestly one of the most visually um, pleasing things I've seen. Really? (laughs) Yeah, because he was, you know, it's not like he was doing something super, super different. He was just juggling with pins, like three or four pins. But the way he did it, he like acted like the pins were controlling his body so um i don't know how to say it with only audio because i am like in the studio right now trying to show it um so his arm would lift up but like the pin was lifting it up you know quote unquote and um interesting yeah the way he did it was so nice if you honestly don't enjoy circus that much but you like visually pleasing stuff Go see this and stay until the end because the end is amazing. And also, wait, I forgot to say. So he used music because there was no, like, there wasn't talk. He wasn't talking while he was doing his acts. So there was music and the music was really nice. It wasn't like um, music with lyrics. It was instrumental mostly. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was really, it it was really good. (laughs) Yeah. And then. What other things? Wait, I have my notes here. And um, yeah, so I said there was a lot of involvement from the audience. That was a lot, of, a lot of fun, too, because the guy sitting behind me, he made the show so much better. I hope when you're watching this, there's that guy in your show, too. He laughed at everything, but so loudly. He laughed up for all of us, you know, and then. So there was this one bit where Jonoa was writing um, letters on the on the pins. So he wrote, you know, spins, the name of the show. So he would show one pin and then we were, you know, just looking. And then the guy behind me just goes S <laughs> and then he puts up P and we're just like, you know, uh-huh, we see a P, we're shaking our heads, and the guy behind me is just like, P! And then after that, we started saying it too, so it was all of us together. It was like, I, N, S. Yeah, that was really fun. So, yeah, it sh- you should enjoy it. You would be able to enjoy it very much if you're just, like, into it and not thinking about what other people are thinking or how others would act, depending on like what you say or how you laugh because sometimes people don't laugh out loud because you know they're they're just thinking that for example that's me you know I wasn't laughing out loud that much during this at first because I thought you know others aren't you know giving that big of a reaction then why should I but you know that's not what you should do you should be the guy behind me and make the loudest noises so that everybody can have a lot more fun than they are (laughs) currently having. (laughs) And, okay, so I want to say when the show is on and where it is. Go for it. So this is part of the Vancouver Fringe Festival. Um, The festival is going on from 5th to 15th, and 
Jonoa's show Spins is on September 5th, 8th, 9th, 11th, 14th, and 15th. So a lot of shows, you can catch them um, anytime, basically. <laughs> it's at The Nest. It's at um, 1398 Cartwright Street. And if you're wondering about the times, you can just find the show's event on Facebook. If you just type in Spins Vancouver Fringe, it's really easy. And um, yeah, if you want to see something awkwardly impressive, go do it because it was awkward but it was impressive and if you think that you won't have fun I think you will I thought I wouldn't have fun either when I first heard that it wasn't it was a circus act and not like a dance or a Cirque du Soleil type of thing but I had a lot of fun we 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 left a lot with my mom yeah (laughs) wonderful thank you that was yeah so Spinch Fringe Festival go check it out We're going to break for a few PSA and ads, so stay tuned for the next interview. Last year, over 650 BC teens aged out of foster care without a permanent family. Adoption is not just for babies. Teens need families too. Only 24 teens in BC were adopted last year. November is Adoption Awareness Month. To find out more about adopting a teen, contact the Adoptive Families Association of BC. Call 1-877-ADOPT-07 or visit us at bcadopt.com. Need a good story? Then check out TimelessLegend.com. It follows guitarist Miles as she moves to the big city in Meatrix and gets sucked into the weird world of Timeless. They tackle some serious issues like sexuality and inequality. You'll be hooked by the compelling story from episode 1. Plus, there's an audiobook that's packed with a full cast of actors and original music to listen to on the go. Again, that's TimelessLegend.com. Use the coupon code 2FREEDOM to get it free right now. That's the number 2 and then word FREEDOM. And we're back. We're going to break for a little song. Because I think that's appropriate after we talked about her.
We're back. We're going to listen to a review about the great Canadian porno. Hello everyone, this is Lua, and this weekend I had the chance to watch the great Canadian porno, the musicals preview before the Fringe Festival. So this musical that we had an interview last week, as hopefully you all heard and um, liked, is a musical about um, two friends that decide to make a porn movie because they need fast cash and they end up creating a soundtrack for that film and that soundtrack becomes a major Christian hit and the name of the song is I Can Feel Him Inside of Me. I couldn't stop laughing during the interview and I couldn't stop laughing during the show. It was really a great show. Um, Funny throughout. I was shaking with laughter the whole way through and this the what I had a chance to watch was a preview. It was not the final rehearsed piece, uh, which will be being which will be premiering on September fifth this week at the French Festival. And the location was a little bit different. The location for the French Festival will be um, for this play will be at the Fire Hall Arts Center. However, the one I watched was the Havana Theater. And let me just start by saying that the Havana Theater is like a tiny, inviting little cute space uh very cozy you're very upfront and personal with the actors which i thought was a really great experience especially in a play like this where you really want to see every single little facial expression um it was almost black box like and overall just a really good experience i do recommend if you have a chance to check out the havana theater it even has uh, the havana theater has a havana restaurant outside um, they're not necessarily connected, but um, it is a very nice restaurant as well. Anyway, it's like a whole night if you decide to go there. It is definitely worth it. Um, so like I said, the preview was a little bit different from the final, so I won't be very nitty-gritty about the details, but the overall idea of this play and the overall feeling of this play. Um, let me start off with saying that as a musical, you need a lot of vocal potency, and the main characters uh, were absolutely stunning voices, absolutely stunning voices. There was, I could honestly listen to them all night, um, and there were so many changes in their tones, and every song really felt really true to their expressions and very true to their voices, which was really, really nice. Um, this play really tackles the Vancouver housing crisis in a different way. It feels very fresh, very modern. This feels like a play that was written by 20-somethings for 20-somethings, although it's not ever exclusive, right? Uh, there's nothing ever stopping anyone that's older or younger to off from watching this play. It's very interesting and very, very, very real, very true to the Vancouver experience of living. It tackles how hard it is to find housing, how difficult it is to move out. Um, and every step of the way, it just felt so fresh and so modern and so in tune with everything we are all experiencing right now. And that was just so different from a lot of the plays I've been seeing for the past few months and a lot of people see because they aren't classics. Although there's nothing wrong with classics, it was very nice to have something fresh and something that you really felt that was just made and you're watching something that was literally just created. 
Um, so they do talk also about some of the issues with the porn industry, which I thought was really interesting. And how to create an ethical porn where everyone that's involved really, really wants to be there. And how that's fine, where there's nothing wrong with porn, but there is things wrong with porn. When in reality, it's really there's things wrong with the porn industry. Nothing inherently wrong with porn. Um, and I think the most down-to-earth phrase in the entire play was, we can't sing our problems although they were singing through their problems because it's a musical and I thought that was hilarious so overall this play was exactly what I expected it to be regarding the funny aspect of it um very very funny very entertaining tackled a lot of problems a lot of issues that I actually wasn't expecting in the beginning but it did feel very wholesome it did feel very down to earth, very modern, very young, and very fresh. And I think that's really part of the premise of the Fringe Festival, bringing in new things, bringing in voices that you probably haven't heard. These are not Shakespeare plays. These are not um, authors that have been writing for, I don't know, 50 years. These are plays that are very current, very fresh. And the Great Canadian Porno was exactly that, and in the best way possible. I say this in the obvious, in honestly, the best way possible. It was honestly one of the most funny plays I've seen in a while, and I do hope you enjoy. There are a lot of sexual innuendos, as you can imagine, and a lot of a lot of nerdy things. And you're kind of rooting for um, this love interest as well, and things don't necessarily work out the way they. You think you want them to work out, but they work out differently in a good way as well. And overall, as a reminder that it's okay if you don't have the perfect, air quotes, ending. You still have a pretty cool ending in the end. Like, things can still turn out great, even if it's not the way they ex- you expected them. So this is a play that I definitely recommend if you have the time and you want to check out something funny. Um, and cool during Fringe. Not that other plays aren't cool, but this was a pretty fun one. Um, make sure to check out the Great Canadian Porno, um, the musical happening starting tomorrow. No, starting two days from now on Thursday, right? Yep. Um, on September 5th, running until September 15th. Hope you enjoy it. It was really a blast for me. And thank you so much for tuning in. I'll hope you guys can hear me later on. Bye-bye. Punk Rock's premier sisters, Skating Polly, are returning to Vancouver, earning praise from members of X, The Flaming Lips, Babes in Toyland, and more. The grungy three-piece plays September 4th at Lana Luz, joined by local phenomenon Joe Past. Tickets available at rickshawtheater.com and both Red Cat Records locations. See you there. Interested in NGOs or the nonprofit sector? Want to teach in another country? How about a position in the commerce or engineering sector? Do you want to travel abroad and have a life changing experience? Isaac UBC offers different internships for all kinds of specialties. We are looking for students interested in fields such as the HIV AIDS pandemic community empowerment, 
business administration, education, environment, and sustainability, and much more. If you're interested in working abroad or helping out on campus, please contact ubc.aiesec at gmail.com. That's ubc.aiesec at gmail.com. It's up to you. We're back live. We're on the air. Thanks for tuning in. And we have Lua in the office. Hi, guys. I am back. Um, this was the first time I wasn't here to the beginning of the show. I hope it was great. I mean, I'm sure it was. Um, and it was pretty much okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, to give yourself some moral credit, it was great. It was amazing. There we go. <laughs> That's it. That's the energy I'm hoping for. And I'm here really excited because we're going to do an interview today with Andrew Cooper, who is the producer, writer, maker of puppets, and mm -hmm. artistic director of the Robert Bridegroom, A Groom Fairy Tale that is being put on by the Camara Theatre, but at the Waterfront Theatre here in Vancouver during the Vancouver French Festival. And this is not the first time this play has, is this is not the premiere at all. This play has been, has played in Regina and Winnipeg, Victoria, and Vancouver is the last stop. That's right. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, and I wanted to start with, Vancouver is your last stop, and so how was the reception for the show everywhere else? Oh, it's been so great. And and thanks, by the way, for having me yeah. on the show. <laughs> we're so excited to be in Vancouver. The company, Chimera Theatre, is actually based out of Kamloops, which is where we started it, and then we did it in Calgary, and then the tour that you mentioned. Um, we've had a really great reception. We got a five-star review in Victoria, which was lovely. So wow. some one reviewer <laughs> liked it. Uh, not just one. We've been having good reviews the whole time around, so... Yeah, we've been having good audience sizes, and we have a lot of people come to us afterwards and say, like, wow, that was really moving, or that was so different, the puppetry was so interesting. So it's it's been a fun ride seeing how the show does uh, in different cities. has been really interesting. And what are your expectations for Vancouver? Well, uh, the puppet community here is pretty good, and, and I know a lot more people uh, in BC since this company is based out of Kamloops. So we think, we hope, that the people of Vancouver will really, really like it. Vancouver has a great fringe. It's like a nice medium-sized fringe. Uh, and has a great theater community. So we think that people will come out and that they'll really love it here. I love how you said that Vancouver has a medium-sized fringe and we are here already going insane. <laughs> and I cannot imagine what a large-sized oh, fringe Winnipeg, will look like. I think Winnipeg had 180 shows, oh my God. which is twice as many as Vancouver. Wow. And Edmonton has 250. And I've been to the Edinburgh Fringe in Scotland, and they have like... I don't even, like a thousand shows. It's so crazy. There's just so many shows. Wow, that's insane. Um, <laughs> but this is a story that is an adaptation of a Brothers Grimm story. That's right. And so what is the story and why did you decide to adapt it? That's a great question. So the story is called The Robber Bridegroom. And we chose this one. Uh, originally, the, the team who put this together and myself, we knew we wanted to do a puppet show because we, I find puppets really interesting and really artistic. So we're like, what kind of fairy tale can we do that puppets really enhance? And we chose this one because there is a few things in the show that I don't want to give away that the puppets can do really well that a regular <laughs> human actor just couldn't do as well. Um, like there's some magical elements and there's some violent elements and there's just there's a lot of stuff that the puppets get to show off what they can do so that's sort of why we chose this story and we chose one that's a little darker than when you think fairy tale you're like oh disney fairy tale but this is a like 18th 19th century brothers Grimm fairy tale so they're <laughs> much darker they're more like cautionary tales 
to make to scare children really into behaving and so we're trying to go back to the roots of where these fairy tales came from and be a little more honest to the like folklore roots and so this is not the first fairy tale that chimera theater has put on that's right what was the one that you guys had on before this we did uh, a combination of six fairy tales The show was called The Untold Tales of the Brothers Grimm, and it was six lesser-known fairy tales outside of, like, Little Red Riding Hood and Cinderella and Hansel and Gretel. And this one was a comedy, Um, and it was was a lot of fun, and and we wanted to do more fairy tales because that show was so successful, but we decided to do it a little more dark. Um, But that being said, because this is a lesser-known story, there's elements that if people are familiar with fairy tales, they'll know, like... Uh, there's a little bit of Hansel and Gretel. There's a little bit of Red Riding Hood. There's a little bit of Cinderella, the three that I already mentioned. Uh, they're a little bit. They're in this the robber bridegroom. So if people are paying attention, they'll go, "Oh, yeah, I know that." Or like, "This is a familiar trope," or "I've seen this before in other stories." And what is the general story for the robber bridegroom? Like, what's the the start of the story? Oh, what? yeah, <laughs> of course. So there's this Miller, uh, and they're going through a famine, and he's really on tough times, and then. The wife has died and he has this daughter and he's not sure if he's going to be able to keep providing for her. So like any respectable man (laughs) in the early 1800s, he decides to basically sell her, but to marry her off to someone who is of a higher social status. Uh, But the trouble is that this man is from out of town and he's a stranger and as the the title of the show would insinuate the robber bridegroom he turns out to be a bit of a seedy character and then the show is this young woman's sort of discovery of who her bridegroom is and how terrible he is and then what happens at the end when the actual wedding occurs is up to the audience to see and so this is definitely not a comedy no it's it's dark <laughs> it's spooky it, yeah, the whole way through. Uh, there is a, a scene of violence with these puppets. Um, and it's not entirely a puppet show. It's not like it's puppets from beginnings to end. There's sort of a framework where these these women are telling these stories because the stories are traditionally told by women's and they were sort of appropriated by the Brothers Grimm and, and like put down to paper. So these women are telling this story and they're like, you're here to hear a story, we're going to tell it. And then once we get into the actual story, it's puppetry. So there's a little bit of blend. There's a blend of both. And so it's almost as if there's like two stories going on. The women that are telling the story yeah. and the story Yeah, and then the story within that story. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then we use different kinds of puppets within that. So we have these kind of body style, like life-sized puppets. We have some animal puppets. We have some shadow puppetry. So it's kind of a blend of different mediums there. Well, that's so cool. Like I feel that before the summer, I didn't really know a lot about puppetry at all. And I feel, you know how when you look at one thing and then all of a sudden you see all these patterns yes. coming out well because moa had a shadow strings and other things exhibition Neat. that just was i think it's still going on um about puppetry around the world and i learned so much and i feel that now that i have all this information i'm going to be able to see the show and be like wow i know where this oh, tradition cool. comes That's from great. right um and so as a fairy tale i was looking at the the images for the for the media press mm-hmm. images, they were they were pretty cool, and the set seems relatively simple. And I was curious, where does the element of actually like fairy tales that we're familiar with comes from, or are there none? Yeah, there's some. the The set itself um, is sort of based on this this idea of the the Miller's home. Like the original concept for it was like a cog or a wheel that you would see like at a mill. Um, but then it, yeah, like you said, it's pretty simple. There's like draping fabric. And there's like crates and boxes and stuff. Um, but 
we just wanted it to be versatile because we go to a lot of different locations. We're like at the house, then we go in the forest, then there's this house in the woods, and then we're back at the wedding. So the actors do a really great job of sort of moving through space and time by using the set. And their costumes also sort of live in that same world, this sort of like dark gothic early 19th century sort of world. And then, as you said, the puppets kind of match that aesthetic as well. So, like, as a general wash, it's sort of living in that, like, early folklore, like, folk horror kind of genre. Awesome. And so this is not really a kid's show. No. (laughs) No, we're saying, like, PG-13 or 14+. We've had nine-year-olds come out. Like, a friend of mine brought their nine-year-old, and they're like, she loved it. And I was like, maybe not every nine-year-old would like this, (laughs) but, like, this one did. Uh, But, yes, we say, like, teenagers could come out. But just because it's uh, a little bit violent or a lot bit violent and and the, the themes are a little bit heavy, we're not recommending it to children. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm very very curious. Um, I definitely am in love with fairy tales, especially if they're dark. Mm-hmm. When you go back to the actual roots of fairy tales, and I realize, wow, fairy tales are really messed up. Yeah, they're, they're spooky. <laughs> they're really messed up. And so, for the preparation for a show like this, it has so many elements to it. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Well, uh, about a year ago, we got together with the original team and we like chose the story and we had a little workshop where we just worked for three days and we tried out different puppets. Uh, and then we get designers involved. So we have a set designer and uh, an amazing sound designer who the whole show basically is underscored with all this music and sound, which is amazing. And then the costumes and the puppets. So you get this whole team together. You start building things. Uh, this past January, before we went to Kamloops in Calgary, we rehearsed for three weeks. Then we did the show. Then we put it in storage. Then we rehearsed again with a new cast because all the performers who are on this tour, the show that you're going to see in Vancouver, are new. So we re-rehearsed it. And then we, we've been on the road for the last six months or so. So there's like the director, writer. There's all the performers. There's the design team. There's the production team who like builds the costumes and the props and paints all the things. So there's a lot of people that go into a production, even though you only see like, yeah, there's 60 minutes of puppets. There's so many more people than just the four performers on the stage. And so you actually made some or all of these puppets? I made the puppets. Yeah, I did. Uh, I had a lot of help. Uh, Our costume designer made the costumes because I'm not really like sewing savvy uh, and one of our scenic people painted them but I made the the faces out of like a clay mold and then like made a cast for it and poured this thing called flexible slip in it to make the faces and the bodies have like a wooden skeleton and kind of like a foam body and the hands are made out of foam and there's rods in them and yeah so I made these puppets and the shadow puppets I just designed on my computer and then we like um, we had a like something that cut them out of like a laser Skin printer. Pie. Yeah, like a laser. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. We had like a laser cutout. And then eventually when we're like, we just need more of these, we just cut them out of like dollar store foam core because <laughs> that worked just as well. We're like, we didn't even need that laser thing. But yeah, so I, I designed and created the puppets and there's probably a dozen or so in the show. And how was the experience of coming, like seeing them come to life? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, these the women who are in this show do such a fantastic job. Yeah, the reason why I think puppetry is so magical is because you have your puppet like sitting backstage and it's a doll basically. But then when a performer picks it up and puts it on and, and gets into the scene, it's so lifelike. And their, their faces don't change, but you can read so much change of emotion in their faces depending on how the puppeteer is breathing with it and how the light is hitting it and how they're looking. It, it's really, it's very magical, actually. I think that's what it is, is that it 
it really stimulates the imagination, which I think is kind of the essence of theater in general. So puppets, when they come to life, it's it's very beautiful, I think. Well, I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a very fascinating show to watch, especially mm. puppetry for adults is not yes. something that you see very often. Totally. Or fairy tale for adults. That's yeah. Once again, those are two things, puppetry and fairy tales, where you're usually like, great, I'll bring my kids out. It's like, leave your kids at home. <laughs> come and watch something spooky. This is for, this is for like the parents, That's not right. the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm very excited. And do you want to remind us when it's happening and where it's happening? Yeah. So it's at the Waterfront Theater, which is on Granville Island. Our first show is this Friday at 5 p.m. And then we have shows all next week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then again on the weekend. And you can find all that information on our website, chimeratheater.com, or on the Vancouver Fringe website. Well, you guys, you heard it. This seems like a very exciting show. Um, definitely an experience in and of itself. This is not something you'll find really anywhere else, or at least not easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited to see it. There will be a review of it if you're still unsure if you should watch it, although we probably should. Um, well, and thank you so much for coming in and having this interview with us. I'm so glad you were able to make it all the way from Victoria. Yes, thanks so <laughs> much for having me. We're very excited to be in Vancouver. And so, Margarita... Do we have any shout outs to do today? Yes, we have a shout out for Inescapable. And what is Inescapable about? And it's also another Vancouver French show, right? It is another Vancouver French show. Um, Inescapable by Martin Dockery, playing at the Waterfront Theatre as well. From September 5th to 15th, Inescapable has recently enjoyed a successful run off Broadway and has toured the French circuit since 2015. Um... It looks cool. Looks I actually, spooky. I'm sorry, so sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I saw one of his shows in Winnipeg because we did the Fringe there, and it was amazing. It was actually one of my favorite shows. It wasn't this one, but it was I, a different one by was, the same people. Yes, and he was in it, and he's very talented. So if people yeah. are like, "Whoa, this looks good," like, yes, I would recommend it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> nice. Well, you have a recommendation right here. <laughs> Mind-bending comedy, they say. Well, then there you have it. And then you can either go watch something that really spooky and then right afterwards get some comedy and like get the spookiness out of your brain. A little bit of both. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today, everyone. Uh, we will be here next week with a lot, a lot, a lot of reviews and a lot of covering of Fringe because there's so much going on. So much. And we are so happy that we are able to actually go out there and review it for you guys so you know what's good and what's not. You know, uh, and so now we're going to say goodbye, I guess. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>
what, 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 what? Radio. Oh, radio. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yip, 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 Till the moment. 